0: Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians six,
1: verse
0: two. Welcome to Baum Podcast a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaan-Bound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, the Wells, along with music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. I'm Tom Barthel, serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran, a Wells congregation in Baxter, Minnesota. This is episode number 74. We'll begin with Moment with the Master, Shared by Pastor Aaron Nitz. The
2: moment with our our Master, with our Savior uh, today, is based on Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And uh, it reads, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. What are you fighting? We all fight, don't we? Sometimes we fight sleep and try to stay awake. Sometimes we fight cravings for certain junk food. Perhaps at times we even fight with those closest to us in order to get our way. Well, there's something else each of us fights every day of our lives, and it's temptations. Though the devil might look at times like a harmless lamb, he is a ferocious wolf looking to for prey to devour. He wants nothing more than to lead you and me away from God, to get us to plunge headlong into sin to unmake us children of God and get us to spend an eternity in hell with him. So he tempts, he attacks, he battles, he knows your weak spots and he'll do whatever he can to get you to fail. Have you given in? Have you lost fights with his temptations? Certainly. You and I have. But Jesus didn't. Jesus put himself under the devil's fiercest temptations. Jesus went into battle against the devil's harshest attacks, and he won. He defeated the devil every time. He crushed the devil's head by championing over him with his victory on the cross and the empty tomb. Your enemy has been defeated. Jesus fought your battle for you and won. Life is yours. And Jesus still fights for you. He's by your side in every battle, in every attack, in every temptation with his word and invincible power. With Jesus at your side, the devil must flee. So continue fighting. Fight the good fight with Jesus at your side always. I'm thankful that Jesus fought and he still fights for me, just like you. May the Lord bless and keep you this day and always.
0: The following song is a feature download for those who subscribe to Koine's mailing list. It's called Christ the Firstborn. Freedom in Christ is shared by Pastor Mark Falk.
3: Galatians 6, 1-5 Restoration Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. NIV, 1984. In chapter 5, Paul spoke of living in sin and living by the Spirit, small or capital S. Here he deals with something that we can assume was happening somewhere in the several, several churches in Asia, in Turkey. We don't know if he has a specific case in mind, or if he simply understands that Satan is good at what he does, and the sinful nature, even of believers, is open to his temptations. Sometimes members of a Christian congregation get caught in sin. There is a hint in the Greek word that Paul is speaking of catching the sin early, before it is full-blown, before it is a habit, before it destroys faith. Often parents and children and brothers and sisters don't want to act at that point, but a gentle, gentle warning at the front end, proactive, can forestall, forestall much trouble for the sinner and for the congregation of which he is a part. Paul uses the word sin, and so must we. We must admit, at least in our hearts, that we also are sinners, that we are speaking as one sinner to another. But we must still use the word sin, All sin is serious, but being caught in a sin that is beginning to destroy faith is a step up from that. We may not always point out every slip of the tongue, but if an aged shut-in has the habit of saying, oh my God, or of betraying a lingering and ancient grudge, a gentle word of admonition is required, and often a gentle word works. Sometimes it gets harder. Read the two letters to the Corinthians and you will notice three things. First, they had been tolerating sexual immorality. Second, they had to quote-unquote hand the man over to Satan for the destruction of a sinful nature. In other words, Paul required that they remove him from good standing in the church, and they obeyed. And then third, when he repented and made that publicly clear, they were urged, urged to simply pronounce forgiveness. He had suffered enough. He had turned from his sin. They forgave. This is hard stuff. It is hard for the sinner to hear about sin. It is hard for fellow sinners to maintain humility, which is essential. It is hard to speak the words that need speaking. But as Paul shows in Corinthians, uh, sometimes it actually works. Satan is frustrated. The gospel wins. There is restoration, forgiveness, life. The blood of Christ is, if I may use a metaphor, poured on the open wounds of the sinners. Like the olive oil of old, or the balm of Gilead, the gospel can then heal.
4: Up next, God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 23, uh, verses 1 to 7. And before I read the text, I'd like to mention that there seems to be uh, a number of... uh, time references in the book of Job and uh we'll we'll talk about that more another time but but I just want to mention that here in in uh, the first couple of verses Job says even today and it seems to be as distinct from the day before and that would make this the morning after Eliphaz mentions the darkness and the loftiness of the stars uh in the previous chapter in chapter 22 and in all uh, I think that there seem to be 10 days from the day in which Job's friends first arrived. There, there, were, there were seven days of silence in chapter 2. And then we have the eighth day and the evening of that day, which is the first round of the, of the debate in Job uh, chapters 2 to 11. Then there's that following night, uh, which is the second round of the debate, Job chapters 12 to 22. And now we're in the ninth day, the beginning of the third round, and then there will be a meditation on the law coming up here, of uh, the Ten Commandments in Job 23, 24, and in which the storm front is now evident on the horizon. And then we have, uh, uh, and, and this is, this is the moonlit night, uh, that has the advance of the storm and the end of the third round in Job chapters 25 and 26. And then the tenth day that follows this will be the conclusion of the matter and the reference to the approaching night. And finally, the arrival of the storm in Job 26-42. Uh, to 42. So let's begin uh, chapter 23 with verses 1-7. to 7. Job replied, Even today my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say to me. Would he vigorously oppose me? No, he would not press charges against me. Let's stop there at verse 6. Up to this point, Job has been concerned and honestly terrified that he wouldn't be able to stand up to a confrontation with God in which he had to appeal for his own justification. But at this point of their debate, in the middle of what is the final round of the arguments, Job's friends have unintentionally bolstered his confidence in his relationship with God. They have spoken about God's holiness and transcendence, and now Job reaffirms that God is not unfair or unjust. He is encouraged and confident that he is right before God, and because he fears God and puts God first in his life, and not because of anything he has done to deserve God's mercy or grace. Would God crush a man who trusts in him? No, Job answers, he will not press charges against me. Verse 7. There the upright can establish their innocence before him, and there I would be delivered forever from my judge. Job now reaches the conclusion that God already proclaimed, that God already had proclaimed, and that the author has made evident to us since the first verse of the the book. Job is upright and innocent before God because he has faith in God. He shows that faith in many ways, but the key fact is that the faith is there. We show our faith in many ways, each of us according to our gifts and our opportunities, but the faith that prompts those actions is what counts. That's part of what Paul meant when he said in Galatians 6, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. In other words, what counts is not what we've done for God, but what God has done for us. He delivered us and established our innocence himself. Everything we do is bowing the knee to him in repentance and thanks. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you.
0: Moment with the Master by Pastor Aaron Nitz
2: Today the word of our God from our our Savior comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 5. It's part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and it reads, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. Imagine that a loud, big loudspeaker was connected to your brain so that everything that passed through your brain and in your head was broadcast for everyone around you to hear. How'd you feel? Embarrassed? Guilty? Ashamed? For everyone, that ought to be a start, at least. While we can be somewhat successful at hiding our thoughts from other people, we can't hide them from our God. While we might think we can get away with looking at things we shouldn't, well, we can't from God. Not only can God see anger, hate, jealousy, lust, coveting in our hearts, well, He also hates it. Finally, every sin separates us from God and puts us in the danger of going to hell. So, what can we do? Try to be better? Sure. But that won't make up for that past sin nor can we be perfect again as God demands. What can we do? Only despair of ourselves and look only to the only perfect one who has ever lived, and that's Jesus. Jesus kept his thoughts and his heart pure 100% of the time, and he did that for you. Jesus exchanged his perfect life for your guilty life on that cross. You've been washed clean from sin's filth. Jesus has set you free from sin's power and control. Washed in Jesus' forgiveness, you not only want to, but also can change sinful habits. Every day we wake up forgiven and empowered by Jesus to reject sin and serve Him more and more with our thoughts and our words and our actions. That's just what God's people just want to do. I'm joyfully serving the Lord. I'm joyfully striving to serve God purely just like you. God's blessings on your day.
0: We'll close with a song by Chris Dreisbach. Jesus, I am yours.
1: When I'm feeling lonely When I need a friend Jesus is beside me, faithful to the end. When it's getting darker, day turns into night. night. I don't have to worry. Jesus, Jesus is, is mine. my. I'm feeling sorry, I wasn't nice today, Jesus helps me smile, takes it all away, oh wonderful Wonderful. Jesus, you're so good good too. Jesus
0: You have been listening to and Bound Podcast, episode number 74. This podcast was first shared in June of 2014. For more information and to learn how you can support the artist featured on this podcast, visit com. Also, please take note that you can subscribe to Koine's mail list to receive free music every Friday with occasional downloads. Kingdom Bomb Podcast supports the ministry of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. We encourage you to visit a Wells ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. Thank you for joining us.